Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Locked In Podcast. My name is Ani. My name is Shree. Hope you all had a great November, had a great week to give lots of thanks, to spend some time with people you love and care about, hopefully socially distant, stay safe. Things are getting quite bad on the outside, but, you know, the NBA season is coming up and we delivered part one of our free agency to you, so we are like Santa and we are here to deliver part two in your stocking. Yeah, it's time to give thanks to basketball and everything that is coming your way. The season starts in now 19 days. So preseason games in eight days, regular season in 19, which means fantasy basketball, projections, everything is just picking up. So we're going to get right we're going to get right to it. Let's do we finished last episode talking about the Memphis Grizzlies and and the, I think the important point to note there is that there is a Sean McDermott on the Grizzlies, and there's also Sean McDermott, the head coach of the Buffalo Bills. That was kind of crazy. Essentially, our analysis for the Grizzlies because they really didn't do much this offseason. But the next team on our list is the Miami Heat, and this is a def- well. They made the finals last year, so this is already a pretty formidable team. But important things they did in the offseason: they gave Bam the max contract. They critical crucial re-signed Goran Dragic, which I think is underrated. They, I think it's a slight over overpay, but kind of necessary considering he that, deserves it. He, yeah, he deserves it. I think he's going to be one of those dudes who ends up getting his jersey retired in Miami if he stays his, the rest of his career with the Heat. I don't know about that, dude. He's played. He's not played for them for that long. No, he has. He's been played for them for like six years now. That's not that long. No, it's. I mean, Miami's also a relatively new franchise. Okay, I guess that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then okay, what whatever, else did they do? Yeah. They they gave Myers Leonard a weird contract. I think this is kind of odd. Like, they gave him two years, $20 million with an option, like a team option for the second year. So, I guess it's basically like a one-year $10 million thing. I don't think they pick him up for the second year. But... I feel like they could have gotten a better, like, forward center in free agency. I don't know. I think they're happy with their bigs, though. Like, most of well, their I mean... sets run through BAM anyways. Yeah, I mean, that is true. That is true. I don't know. But um, I think for me, a, a critical loss was Jay Crowder. Right. But I think they got Avery Bradley as well, which, you know, they're not similar at all in terms of play style. But I think Avery Bradley obviously will add a lot. And, I mean, maybe there's not recency bias because we imagine if Avery Bradley had played in the bubble, I feel like he'd be getting a lot more hype because during the regular season, he was a pretty critical part of the LA team. And so... I think I think for, for for the Heat that's a really good addition. They also got Precious Achua, who was a great r- rookie. So I think that that's pretty good as well. But, yeah, yeah, one of the things I am concerned about is that Bradley throughout his career has just been a consistently good on ball defender, like always one of the better like one on one matchup defenders. But the thing with Miami is that a lot of what they do on defense is team defense. So it's not yeah. always just one guy locking up the other team's best player. They have a lot of switchability and. Bradley isn't necessarily the best switch defender, so it'll be interesting to see how Crowder's production on the defensive side is made up for or diminishes because of the Bradley addition. But we'll see. Um, Maybe there's some um, box and one stuff, you know? <laughs> box and one. No, that's going to happen against teams like, I don't know, Golden State, especially if Steph Curry decides that he's going to go 2016 MVP. I think Miami is the type of team who would utilize that, but... All in all, I think a pretty decent offseason. Nothing too extreme on that end. A team that had a very eventful offseason with investigations, signings, and a whole lot of talk about their star player, the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, 
That was hilarious. Oh. The investigations part is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to we'll get to Bogdan Bogdanovich later, but they picked up Drew Holiday. They signed DJ Augustine for some backup guard depth. They got Bryn Forbes from the Spurs. Very, very underrated pickup, I think. Bryn Forbes is a sniper. Um who else? They got Bobby Portis from the Knicks. They got Tory Craig from the Nuggets. So a lot of very viable rotation pieces, I think. But all of this is, I think, just an attempt to appease Giannis. Like, I think that's obviously said. And we can all say, oh, they're just doing all of this to keep Giannis. But really, if the Bucks didn't make a splash this offseason with the holiday trade, and despite what they gave up for him, which was a lot, I don't think he stays. I think he was guaranteed to stay this season. I think this is about appeasing him and hopefully giving him a better team for, I think, next season. I think if they make the conference finals and it's, like, close series, then he's like, whatever. I think I might stay. I really, I mean, I cannot speak for Giannis at all. But I, I think looking at their team, is it really significantly better than it was in the bubble? I don't know. I really don't know because they gave up a lot. Of, of players they gave up a good amount of picks it's just i mean just drew holiday like is it worth it for him i, don't I, know. I say yes because uh, of course we know he's staying this season because he's under contract but like next summer is his free agency and i think holiday's 100 percent upgrade over bledsoe on both sides of the ball losing he's an upgrade but like is is it worth it to give up what you give up? I mean, is, granted, like you don't really need draft picks if you're the Bucks. I get that, but yeah, the Bucks draft picks were going to be low regardless. But I think he's going to take off so much pressure from Middleton and Giannis as the primary creators and facilitators. Like you're going to have before it was always uncertain. Like what is the Bucks crunch time lineup? And Bledsoe sometimes wasn't the answer there. And now you know Holiday's just going to be entrenched there. Like he can be someone who can get you a bucket when you need it. So I really like that move. Um, losing George Hill does hurt because he was borderline six man of the year type play from last season, and his three point percentage was really good. Too. Right, like he's really a dead eye shooter now at this point in his yeah. career, which I didn't really see coming. So maybe, I don't know. Maybe maybe adding Bobby Portis as well will give them some like height on the floor when Giannis is sitting. Yeah, I think honestly the issue with the Bucks when we talked about this earlier was more of a coaching and like management in terms of players and like a game plan issue than the actual players they had on the floor i think that they had players good enough to make the eastern conference finals but they just lost because they didn't utilize their players well so for me i think sure let's say this roster is an improvement from the bubble roster and from the 2019 2020 season roster like if if they're gonna be the bucks and just do what they've been doing is it doesn't make a difference you know, like if if they're going to be coached the same way, if they're going to be handled the same way, is it going to make a difference? I think this roster makes a little more sense now with Mike Budenholzer, right? Because Drew Holiday is going to fit in perfectly in the offense. And with Bledsoe, he ran so hot and cold. Like there would be weeks where he shot around like 37, 38% from three and was like a valuable contributor on offense. But then there'd be long stretches where he can't even hit a mid-range jump shot. He can't hit a corner three. So... With Bledsoe, you didn't really know what you were getting offensively. But with Holiday, you're getting that consistent 18 to 19 points, facilitates for you, shoots above average from three, gets to the lane. So I don't know. If Bud doesn't reach a conference final this year, 
I think there's going to be talks like what there were with Doc Rivers heading into this season. Like if he doesn't succeed with the roster he has, some change needs to be made, which is unfortunate yeah, because, because he's a good there coach. There has to be. There has to be because he has the best player in the league, arguably second, third best. If you Kawhi, whatever, I mean, AD, LeBron, like any of those three, but like one of the top three, top two players in the league mm-hmm. in his prime. And, like, you have enough money to support him with a pretty good supporting cast. And you also have Chris Middleton. Let's not forget how good Chris Middleton is. And, like, I, I really think it's a coaching issue. I honestly think it's a coaching issue. And, yeah, I think they have to change the way they play. They cannot give Giannis 32, 34 minutes a game and expect to win. Because maybe they're saving him for the playoffs, but they did the same thing in the playoffs. So, it, like, doesn't make sense to me. Like, yeah, they, I don't know. They, they ran into some bad matchups in the playoffs too like i think the miami heat team this year like obviously team of destiny makes it to the finals but it they just had so many guys who exploited yeah. every single weakness the bucks had so well I mean, speaking of the miami heat making the finals we actually interviewed previously before the heat made the finals oh uh, nice thank you thank you I, I i'm really trying to do the self-promotion quite well so i mean Oh no! But yeah, uh, we we before the finals. When did we do the interview in October? I think. Um no, not October, dude. This was um, sorry, not October. August. This was like August, August or something. Yeah. I don't know why I said October. My bad. We we interviewed in in August. No, it was June. It was June. It was June. We interviewed in June before the bubble even started. Derek Rhodes, who is the director of business strategy for the Miami Heat. So. You guys can listen to that podcast. Check it out. I think it was honestly one of our best guest features because just being a business major, but also just wanting to be involved in the NBA and not being able to be a player because, you know, (laughs) I'm not a good basketball player compared to the people in the NBA. Uh, I really want to see how you can get involved and just like all the things that he talked about on the business side are pretty crazy. And, you know, they're the Eastern Conference champions, so they must be doing something right. So. He talks a lot about what they do on the business side. It's very, very cool. Highly encourage you all to check it out. Yes, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, great conversation well, with him. Thank you for your endorsement. Thank you for your endorsement. Hey, we got to do it, man. Um, all right, let's move on to the Minnesota Timberwolves, who actually like their city jerseys. I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. Minnesota consistently has really good jerseys. I think the one that I don't like is their neon green home jersey. I, I kind of like it. It's kind of like the Seattle neon green one. It's like. No, Seattle's Seattle's isn't even neon green. Seattle's was how it's yeah they had a neon green one. They not hundred percent. Not had a neon to, green not one. the way the Timberwolves have it. Definitely not that neon. Nah, it was still neon. I don't know, but they had a. I mean, I guess you can call it an eventful off season because they got Ricky Rubio. That was a very interesting get, but it was it was a three team three team trade, I believe, but. Yeah, yeah Rubio, they, they got Ricky Rubio and yeah, that's it. Rubio back to his drafted team. And I actually think he's going to help out a lot because this is going to be the first healthy season of D'Lo, Cat, and the rest of the guys, Jarrett Culver. They signed Malik Beasley to four years, $64 million, And ever since they did that, he's just been making more headlines in the wrong ways. Um, look up Malik Beasley, Scottie Pippen wife, if you are interested in any juicy gossip regarding Malik Beasley. But I think he's the key to whether this Minnesota team overachieves or underachieves, which is weird because obviously we know Cat's going to put up numbers as long as he's healthy. 
We know D'Lo and Cat have a good chemistry off the court. Whether that translates to on the court remains to be seen, but I think they're a pretty natural pairing in terms of offensive fit. Josh Okoge, very good 3 and D wing, still developing. Um, but yeah, Malik Beasley, if he is Ben McLemore, this contract is a bust, and I don't think that helps anybody in the Timberwolves organization. But if Malik Beasley is someone who's more like Eric Gordon, someone who can create off the dribble, give you like 17, 18 points a game, that unlocks a whole nother dimension for this Minnesota offense. So yeah, I'm excited to see how all that plays in with their number one draft pick, Anthony Edwards. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a hypothetical question for you. Which which player do you think Malik Beasley more closely represents? Is he more like a Ben McLemore type player? Is he more like a Scottie Pippen type player? You can't say Scottie Pippen type player right now. You can't do that. You can't disrespect Scottie right now. Don't. Wait, no, wait. Do you not know what I'm talking about? No, I just asked you. I said, look up uh, Malik Beasley, Scottie Pippen wife. If oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah, yes. no, no, no. Do you okay. even listen to what I say? I do. I was. Okay. Never mind. I guess I missed that part because I've been really analyzing the Timberwolves roster to see who else they're at. Yeah. Anthony Edwards, I think, will be good. Oh, yeah. my God. They yeah. really. The, wait, we got to yeah. talk about the Malik Beasley situation. Like, what the hell is he doing? I mean, the craziest part is that his, like, wife didn't even know. Like, his wife was so surprised. Imagine. That's the craziest part. Imagine when Scottie Pippen's on the jump, ESPN's show, The Jump, and. They have to cover anything Timberwolves related. How yeah, I think weird is that going to be? Well, I think, I don't know. It's just a very strange situation. It's one of the more interesting off-season NBA situations we've had. This was, is uh, two straight episodes in which some juicy gossip has been discussed. Last episode, Kai Bowman. This episode... Malik Beasley. Yeah, we got the scoop on Kai Bowman, though. So that's like a locked-in exclusive. This one is not a locked-in exclusive at all. So, But I really think (laughs) this is so... (laughs) I think it's a good contract. So he has has money now. Um, It's good for him. He can support Scottie Pippen's wife? Is that what you're saying? Wait, wait, wait. So should should he have signed the contract before or after the pictures came out? Well, he signed it before and then all the pictures came out. Well, yeah, so that's an L for him. How is it an L for him? Because he has to give up like half his money unless he signed a prenup. Well, okay, it's not that serious. No, she's filing for divorce. Oh, well. His wife is filing for divorce. Okay, that is fair. Yeah, that's so very she fair. She gets 32 yeah. mil. Oh, my God. Malik, Malik, Malik. Um, okay, no, so, okay. Wait. In that case, it's not a bad contract. Only $32 for Malik, for Malik Beasley is great. No, 32 mil. I if the Timberwolves did like 50 million or like 48 for 4 years for Malik, I think that would have made sense. Okay, no, four, also, I thought it was an I overpay. Mean, I I think we talked about this last time and like we're being serious now about basketball, but it's just like the free agents this season weren't of the highest quality. They were just all like very good average or like mid-level players in the NBA. Right. But just the 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 contracts they've been signing, it just really seemed to be over the top, like the people can can have paid a lot of money this off season, like Malik Beasley, for example, a lot more money than we thought they would, and it's just it's not any single one team. It's like everybody is paying them. I'm really confused. This feels like the one summer where the salary cap spiked and players like Tyler Johnson were getting max four year contracts and Evan yeah. Turner. Speaking of Evan Turner, weird situation. He's not playing in the NBA anymore. 
he was on the Timberwolves, but he is now an assistant coach for the Boston Celtics, which yes, is that was super very strange. interesting. He retired really early. Yeah, but I mean, I think he was just like it is what it is type deal. But mm-hmm. I mean, really interesting to see how many I guess ex coaches or ex players or coaches in the league now. I think Tim Duncan is not going to be a coach anymore on the Spurs. No, he's read. not. Yeah, he's taking a break from that. Is it because of family reason, or yeah, is it? Just I just because... think he's he just didn't like how soon he was doing it after retiring. I don't mm, know. Yeah, I think I don't know. Maybe maybe he was mad they didn't make the playoffs. Maybe we got to get him on a episode sometime. Yeah. Well, we'll talk to him. Um, we'll see what's up. Next team, yeah, the Pelicans. Yes, they they had a really big splashy because of that uh, Drew Holiday trade. They got a good amount of draft picks. They got Stephen Adams as well. Actually, they got a good amount of draft picks, but they gave some back, whatever. So they got Steven Adams. Excuse me. They got Eric Bledsoe from Milwaukee, right? Mm-hmm. They had to, to give up Derek Favors, Drew Holiday, Jalil Okafor, Etwan Moore. I think, like, based on how this team's young core is and based on the number of draft picks they have, they seem to be pretty set for the next four or five years because, I mean, I think – Ingram looks really good. Lonzo Ball hopefully will develop a bit more. Obviously, they have Zion, Zion Williamson. What did you I call say, him? I say Zion because I think that's like how initially he told people to pronounce his name. I don't think anybody says Zion. No, because if, if you look initially at his call, uh, high school um, mixtapes, they say Zion instead of Zion. I don't know. I'm just trying to pronounce his name the most accurate. Uh, JJ Redick, which I think he was trying to leave at one point. JJ Redick's going to end up on the Miami Heat. I'm calling it right was... now. He's going to end up on the Miami Heat. Have you seen his podcast and how much Dude. he has Heat players on? Dude, I mean, Duncan Robinson was in the offseason or was a, in the bubble, was a bubble correspondent essentially for the podcast. He, he always talks about how much he loves that Miami team. He just had Tyler Hero then, on. Yeah. So I, Jackson Hayes blossoming into a nice young star. That's that Texas education hook him. Well, okay, okay I don't I don't think the Pelicans are a top 8 team in the West. I don't know. Uh, okay, if they're I don't a think top, they are today. I don't think they're a top 10 team in the West. I think so okay. many teams upgraded from last season. Like Golden State's going to be better than them. Phoenix is going to be better than them. Um That's it. They're literally 11 in my mind. Well, okay, but that's the thing. The the play-in tournament only goes up to 10. Well, I mean We'll we'll see what happens with injuries, but I, again, I said for the for the next five years for the future. I guess like what I'm what I'm saying is like is this season a disappointment if they don't even no no contend because, I mean, for the eight spot? Okay, if you look at the roster before they made these moves and after, I'd argue it is somewhat better after. Actually, okay, not in the current day, in the future, because in the current day, no, because they got they they gave up Drew Holiday, right? But in the future, with a good amount of draft picks stocked up. I think they can continue reloading their team with like good talent for cheap on rookie contracts, and they sign Zion and uh, uh, not Lonzo, Brandon Ingram to big contracts. Then they can get those two as, as big stars, and maybe even sign uh, Lonzo to like a mid level contract, and they get a bunch of rookies to to be on their team. I think potentially, look if if, if Zion plays out to how we think he's going to play out, and if Brandon Ingram develops even more and on the trajectory that he has been developing. That I don't see any reason that they're not going to be considered a top eight team in the West in the next two years at least. They just don't have enough shooting right now, and I think that's something they need to address. Like, yeah, they have they some mid range shooting, non shooting guards. Yeah, they have JJ Redick. Well, I mean, like their primary, like Lonzo and Bledsoe, is a deep, fantastic defensively, but I don't, 
expect a whole lot of threes. This Josh season. Hart is there too. I don't know. Oh, Hart yeah. is if you're considering Josh Hart a shooter, like you're in trouble. Yeah, you never know. Stephen Adams. I mean, really, the issue is like, how is any team going to survive playing the Pelicans if they're getting screened on one side by Stephen Adams on the other side by Zion? I think spacing <laughs> might be an issue for this team. I don't know, but we'll see. Yeah, spacing is the name of the game right now. And another team that has absolutely no spacing is the New York Knicks. Well, I don't um, think they have absolutely anything. They have literally no one. It's a weird, just a weird team. Um, Honestly, they, their offseason, they have a lot of big names. Big names? I think they got like relevant <laughs> rotation players. Like Dude, Alec Burks look, is nice. Austin Rivers hu- is nice. Huge name. Huge name. Nerlens Noel, huge name. Michael Kidd Gilchrist, huge name. Omari Spellman, huge name. Hey, don't hate on Spellman. He's a very good Golden State Warrior for the time. Yeah, he was yeah, there. I know you come to defend him. I like the OB pick. I think it was good. But... I do too. I think there's a lot of Star Wars potential with his name. Yeah, no, yeah. I think the if they do have games at some point in the season, like the little bobbleheads, it'll be like him and like a like the the Jedi cloak type deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. <laughs> We really should have done a Mandalorian podcast for this stuff too, but yeah, it is what it is. Uh, they lost Wayne Ellington, which I think is a huge loss for them. I can't. I think he was I, really like one of the best players in the league, and I just think you know it's a sad loss. Yeah, the Knicks basically did nothing in my mind. I mean, Knicks, I, th- I think their team is slightly better than it was before because like I think they got better players, but I think at the end of the day, it's just like it is what it is. They're the Knicks. I mean, okay. the The only thing I am kind of excited about is the. The RJ they have and, a lot of like talent that can develop. Yeah, RJ and Mitchell Robinson. Like I, I exactly. want to see how then, those two. Grow. Even I guess like I mean Julius Randle is still what twenty five. Dude, I'm not sold on Randle like ever becoming more okay, than what he Kevin is. Okay, Kevin Knox too. He's pretty young. He's in his third year in the league. Kevin Knox is a bust. You can't say that he's only in his second or third year in the league. Yeah, and he's not. I don't ever see him becoming like Plus, people had projections of him. Remember being, like, how good Dennis Smith was on on the Mavs? Like, he wasn't. A, he wasn't good. He was so good. No, he was like a... He never had good, like... He was good for like five games in one season. No, no, no. Like, he put up stats his rookie year, but like, there's a difference between putting up stats and actually contributing to winning basketball. Like... Remember when Yogi Ferrell was good on the Mavs for like five games? There's always like those those phase players. I remember back in the day, like with the Jazz, like there was this... This G Leaguer Sundiata gains, like one game just hit a random game winner, had this crazy like 10 day stretch, and then never heard from him again. But yeah, Yogi. Or I guess like Linsanity, I don't know. Linsanity might come back to the NBA. We will monitor that. I hope he signs something with Golden State. That'd be kind of cool. But I'm this bad. brings us to, I guess, one of the main attractions from the offseason, and that is the Oklahoma City Thunder and the complete franchise overhaul that happened with this team. A very good team last year in the West. Surprising, feisty, a lot of gutsy, gritty players. But here are the players they lost in free agency. As mentioned before, Ani, like you said, Steven Adams, now on the Pelicans. Terrence Ferguson, who, despite not really being like a great player, was their starting small forward for so much of the season. Now with the Sixers. Danilo Gallinari on the Hawks. Um, Chris Paul is now on the Suns. And Dennis Schroeder's on the Lakers. So that is essentially the core of a Western Conference playoff team. And they have 55 million draft picks. So I really think that's going to do. I really don't know, dude. Like, I don't understand. Like, why would you stock up on so many draft picks? They are just 
like mortgaging their current situation for the future. Like they they know they're well positioned to draft top end talent for the next five six years. So five, you mean fifteen to sixteen years? Yeah, Oklahoma City is just going to be a team of two year olds at this moment. That's like, really what it feels like. Yeah, it feels like those stats were like, oh, the 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 kid that hasn't been born yet is going to do something. Like it feels like the kids that haven't been born yet are going to get first pick drafted by OKC. Yeah, I love those things where it's like, oh my god, like Chris Paul was traded for like a seventh grader. Like what? What is going yeah, on? Yeah, that's literally what it feels like. No, but yeah, I don't know. They did pick up some interesting pieces in the offseason. They got George Hill as part of that three team trade. They got Trevor Ariza, who was. Now, after this offseason, set the record for most times an NBA player has been traded in his career. So props to him for that. I guess a lot of teams just really always want Trevor Ariza. Um, Al Horford from the Sixers, who I think is actually going to be pretty good. I just think he was in the worst possible situation in Philly with Embiid. That but, contract is just so big, though. That's my issue with this. It's just No, it's big, but he'll be like the one veteran presence for a team that's still so young. Like... You have guys like Lou Dort. You have Trevor Ariza, bro. What are you talking about veteran presence? No, but Horford is that like... Like Ariza right now is like tail end, tail end of his career. Like I think Horford still has a couple more years of like contributing to winning basketball level play. But he'll be good for a team that has like young guys. Dort, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Darius Baisley, who I actually think should play a lot more than he did last year. Um, But yeah, just... I don't know. Okay, here's here's my question to you. Like, if you're a team like OKC and you you just go all in into this draft pick strategy and don't really focus on keeping the guys who contributed to solid winning productive basketball last year, like if you were a GM, what would you do? I mean, I, I think the essential question boils down to this. If you don't win the NBA championship, or if you don't get to the NBA championship, is your season a success? If the answer to that question is yes, if you believe that the only way your season is successful is if you win an NBA championship, you clearly were not going to win it with that roster and with the way it was assembled. So in that situation, I guess the way they're doing it is they're going to stock up on first round high pick talents and go from there. And hopefully build a team with some young stars, especially someone like Shea, who we think and we've seen is going to be such a big star in this league. Essentially, that's what they're doing. And so I guess in some senses, it's not a terrible strategy because I really think it depends on how you define success. Like they are a small market team, right? This is OKC. It's not the LA's. It's not the Knicks or the, the Brooklyn Nets of the world, right? It's not even Miami. It's like Oklahoma City. It might be the smallest like city in terms of population where an NBA team plays. I think it is actually the smallest city in terms of population where an NBA team plays. Right. Mm -hmm. So it is like one of the smallest markets. But if you look at the players they've had in the past, right, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, all drafted. Right. So I feel like they have a pretty good feel as to their top draft picks and to how to draft talent. And if they really trust their talent evaluators, really trust their front office, then I feel like you were never going to win a championship with Chris Paul. So might as well get rid of him, get a slew of draft picks, might as well pick up Horford's contract, get a bunch of draft picks. Might as well trade Steven Adams and Drew Holiday, get a bunch of draft picks, and just keep on stocking up. And maybe at the end of the day, it works out. But I think, again, if you define success based on winning an NBA championship, you were never going to win an NBA championship with their current roster. So at least this gets you maybe 1% closer, right? And maybe that 1% is worth it to them. I think, but I think it's like 
at this point, I also think maybe it's a play by the GM because if he does all this dealing and stuff and then they fire him and whoever comes in to replace him is left at the helm of this, it doesn't make any sense, right? It's kind of like the Bill O'Brien thing, right? He mm-hmm. just like essentially destroyed the Texans and then dipped, right? But that's not what you want because at least if there's some sort of plan or semblance in mind, like here there's a very clear plan, right? Get draft picks, get good talent. The Texans, he just blew up the team for no reason. There's no plan of the future, right? So it made sense to fire him there. But the situation where they're in the middle of a plan, it doesn't make sense to fire anybody. So I think maybe this is job security for the next four or five, six years. My only thing with Sam Presti, and like I'm not going to bash him for what he's done because like getting that many first-round picks in times where having those first-rounders are so important because now it feels like in drafts, like if you're not, high-end talent at least in the last like couple of years it's really tough becoming a mainstay in the league so i think he's in that sense he's done well but i don't like this championship or bust mentality that all these teams are taking like if i'm an nba city that really thrives on the success of my team i'd rather field a competitive basketball team for like four to five years rather than maybe having one good year having four to five subpar years and banking on my team being really good in like five six years like i don't know how i I feel about that strategy it's like this look at the jazz and look at the thunder right two pretty small market teams if you look at their biggest players over the past 10 15 years the thunder sorry that the 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 trailblazers have had like one and a half two or sorry two and a half three i guess like for sure, Damian Lillard, of course. Maybe CJ McCollum. Maybe LaMarcus Aldridge. But he left. But still. And then maybe like Brandon Roy, if you're talking about maybe 15 years ago, right? Definitely Brandon Roy, and yeah. Yeah, of course, Brandon Roy. Legend. But he only had like a few few good years. Looking at the Utah Jazz. Like after their Karolinko, Carlos Boozer, Deron Williams, that whole deal. Like they've just like not been a good a good team overall they haven't had a star player right a no, splash but, player but the thing with the jazz that i like is like they've always been competitive like even when gordon eh. hayward was the best player on their team they made it to like the semis like they fought in the playoffs like no, they were never like, an easy out but the thunder have had three of potentially the top 10 players in the league right now no right? but but the thunder drafted on the same team they, they so, like, were fortunate is, enough to my, be bad enough to be able to get well, I think Three generational my, point stars. Is, my point is, if you had James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and Kevin Durant on your team, and you give them all up, right, you kind of think you're in that mentality. Like, I don't blame them for being the mentality of, oh, we can do that again. Like, they're not going to do that again, but they think that they're going to do that again, or they think they can do that again. But the Thunder like, the, didn't even... The Blazers, the Blazers never think like that, because the Blazers consistently-ish make the playoffs on a low seed, right, get bounced in the first or second round. Same thing with the with the Jazz, right? They consistently make the playoffs get bounced, right? The Thunder, they had these great players. They made the finals, and then everything sort of fell apart for them. And like, so they think, oh, we can get back to the good old days where we had these three fantastic players. And honestly, if they have these many draft picks, who's not to say they can't draft the next Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, and James Harden? But it's so lucky. Like, Golden State got lucky with of their course. draft picks. They got lucky that Steph wasn't taken by the Timberwolves by the Knicks. Um, they got lucky that Clay fell to a spot where they felt comfortable taking him and that no other team really was high on his potential as one of the best three and D guys of all time. They got lucky that Draymond went to the second round. Like all that stuff, you can't bank on that happening twice, especially when the first time 
Durant they got because they were one of the worst teams in the NBA. Russell Westbrook, high risk, ended up being high reward. James Harden, again, like people were surprised when he went number three overall, but obviously his potential was realized when he got traded to the Rockets. He was, he wasn't that generational guy with OKC. So I understand at least like 1% why they made that trade, but it's not like they wanted to lose those three guys and say like, Oh, we're just going to get a bunch of draft picks. Durant left and then they realized they couldn't win with Westbrook as the primary guy. So. This situation, I just think, is a little different. I felt they were building something after last year with Gallo, Schroeder, Chris Paul. Like, it was a very competitive team. Just get maybe one more piece, and you have the makings of a fringe Western Conference Finals contender. But they literally gave away the entire roster. Well, I think also roster. you have to consider, you're, you're in the Western Conference, right? You're not in the East. If you're in the West, you're competing against the Lakers, the Warriors, right? The, the Clippers. These are very, very good teams with great players. So I don't think it's fair for for you to say, like, I mean, maybe if they added one more piece, they'd be a fringe Western Conference finalist, but they'd have to beat at least two of those three teams or two of those four teams to, to make it to the NBA Finals, right? And so, like, getting to, through the West right now is so difficult that, honestly, if you're not the Warriors, the Clippers, the Lakers, maybe even the Rockets type deal, it's either championship or bust, I feel like. Because like, there's no way that you're getting through and there's no point... There's no point in making the playoffs if you're going to lose, in my mind. But I think that OKC team with, like, one more guy was, like, as good as the Denver team that made the Western Conference Finals last year. Yeah, but the potential of the Denver team is so unrealized compared to the potential of the OKC team. The OKC team has, like, one guy that is unrealized, and that's Shea, right? Jokic isn't even 100% right now. Murray is not 100% right now. Uh, what uh, Michael Porter is not 100% right now on the Denver Nuggets. There's so many different players on the Nuggets that haven't reached their like their highest talent level, whereas CP3 is declining. Gallo is not going to develop more. Schroeder is not going to develop further. He might be in a better situation in LA and play better, but that doesn't mean he's going to develop more, right? So you only had one developing player. Maybe, maybe like, I guess if you count like Dort or you count like Baisley, but like realistically you only had one great developing star, whereas the, the Nuggets potentially have three. Right, right, so. right. But there's a value to having guys who are already high-level contributors instead of just always saying he's going to be really good in three years. He's going to be really no. good in four years with more development. I agree. I, I agree. But I think it's been clear that that's the direction they want to make that they want to go into. And I think Sam Presti has been clear that that is the direction this organization is going. For better or for worse, that is what they are doing. And if that's the way Sam Presti wants to handle it, then let him handle it. It probably won't work out because most things don't. There's only one champion in the NBA every single year. And most of the time, it's the Lakers or the Celtics statistically. So, you know, it is what it is. But, like, like maybe it can work. I don't know. But that's that's my two cents on it. I can understand. Because, honestly, if I, were Thund- like if I, if I was a Thunders fan, a Thunder fan, I would be glad. Because at least you know what your organization's about. There are many, many teams. Like the Orlando Magic, for example. You just don't know what their organization is about. You don't know what direction they're heading in, right? Or even like the Knicks, for example, you just don't know what's in their mind. So like, let's talk about the Magic next, right? Like they did, didn't have much of an offseason. And I just don't know what their off, like their offseason mentality, like who they like, are they really trying to develop Jonathan Isaac? And like, are they think, oh, Mo Bamba's going to be a star and like Markel Fultz will like blossom? I don't know. Like their front office seems like a mess. It's a lot of just internal player development for now. And like Cole Anthony is a flashy pick. He's someone who could be 
um, a high level contributor, but I just don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Um, not a lot of crazy losses in the offseason. They lost DJ Augustine, who basically an Orlando legend at this point. Um, Wes Uwundu, underrated player. Um, but yeah, they, they're relying on Fultz's development into the type of star we thought he could be coming into the league before his hitch in his shot, before some of the, you know, the mental health problems he was dealing with and figuring out his, what did he have? Deep vein thrombosis. He had some, some issue with his shoulder. I want to look it up. I don't want to say something. That... DVT is not a shoulder issue. It's usually a thigh issue. Marco Fultz, um, nerve problem. I think he, oh no, he had, um, neurogenic thoracic outlet syndrome. Which yeah, it's not, nerves. it's not DVT. Yeah. DVT yeah. is something that happens when like you, your blood clots in your like leg or your thigh or your calf and then you get like a, like a seizure or a stroke. Right. So faults, I, I don't know. They're relying on more from him. Um, Aaron Gordon, they're still waiting for him to make the leap and I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, Mo Bamba definitely still potential there because like he's dealt with. Mo Bamba is going to be just, the greatest basketball player of all time. If anything, he has one of the greatest song names of all time. So he is. We name our boys, so I can maybe get him on the podcast. I don't know. Tell me how you're going to do that. I would. Love I've to met know. him before. I've talked to him before. I've dapped him up before. I've met Steph Curry before. I've dapped him up before. Okay, can, did you go to the same school as Mo Bamba? Were you classmates with him? Do you see him riding a scooter to school every day? Because I did. That's romantic. And I gave him the head nod. He gave it back to me. Me and Mo are close. He knows this. Oh, you had a little moment. Yeah. You know, I've DM'd him on Instagram. He's not responded. Maybe I'll DM him again. Yeah, you gotta. I don't. I don't know. These these athletes make it almost impossible to contact them because even if you do reach them, they're like, "Oh, you gotta go through my publicity agent. You gotta go through the media relations guy, and then that's another whole ordeal." It's just. It's tough. It's okay. Maybe I'll just like, maybe I'll play in the NBA real quick and then I can be like JJ Redick and get anybody I want on my podcast. I genuinely think he has the best NBA podcast. Yeah, like him or like All the Smoke, I guess. But All the Smoke is all right. It's just sometimes they, they butter up their guests a little too much. Like they don't, they, they say they're like All the Smoke and they're, they're going to ask the tough questions. But like I saw that snippet they had with Paul George and, some of, the, some of it just didn't sit right with me. Like they, Yeah, that was pretty... Yeah, they really... But I think the fact that, like... I don't know if Paul George would go on the J.J. Redick podcast. Compared to... Like, Kobe went on the, the All the Smoke in January, right? So mm-hmm. It's like... I don't know if Kobe would ever go on the J.J. Redick podcast, so... I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. But, yeah, the Magic are another contending for the eight-seed type of team. They have young pieces to develop, but also they have some players. I think they need to move on from Evan Fournier... Kind of stuck in purgatory here. Um, Terrence Ross, if they're still relying on these two guys for crunch time clutch minutes, um, it's not great. And I feel bad for Nikola Vucevic because I think he is one of the most slept on big men of our time right now. So all I got, all I have to say about the magic. So I think the 76ers biggest offseason signing was not on their actual roster explain yeah wait what, what do you mean point explain oh it's obviously daryl morey like that's their biggest offseason signing yeah th- that's why i was asking you to explain because people are just gonna listen and be like oh oh ooh. okay okay I, maybe okay i don't know 
I thought you would expand on it. I thought I was really giving you the baton and you just dropped it. I was gonna let you have this. That's one. what you happened. You just stopped. I, I set it up for you perfectly. No, you. And then you were just like, you know what? Fine, go talk about him. Okay, yeah. So <laughs> he's the former general manager of the Houston Rockets. No, you don't have to he, give me his Wikipedia. Oh, okay. Well, okay. I mean, I don't know. Like that's truly their biggest signing because they didn't really sign anybody else that was huge. I guess Seth Curry. Oh, Dwight Howard, I want to talk about him. He had a really sad, I guess, offseason. I'm not sure we talked about this on the we first did. part. I think we did, but we, we did go over it again. Yeah, really sad. I mean, I guess he really wanted to stay in L.A. because his wife plays for the Sparks, too. I think I, I did talk about this. But, yeah, he's going to be on the Sixers now. Okay, I have no idea how the Sixers, like, are going to work out. Like, I guess giving up Horford was good because him and Embiid made no sense and they got rid of the contract. But, like, I just don't, I don't understand, like... But then you, you add back Dwight Howard. Like, what's the point? Like, I mean, granted, Dwight Howard and Halford are very different players. But, like, it's still, like, the same area on the court, right? Like, spacing-wise, it doesn't make that big of a difference, I feel. Well, okay, I think the one nice thing is that if you have someone like Al Horford, you do kind of rely on him to make some plays. You don't have to do that with Dwight. Like, Dwight's there for two things, rim protection and finishing lobs. Like, that is but, his... But, like, is it... I don't, like, don't you want someone that you can rely on versus someone that you, like, you can't have, rely on? They, they have so many playmakers already, especially after this offseason. Now they got Seth Curry, who I think is really going to help them. I don't. Um, you cannot say Seth Curry is one of the premier playmakers in the league. Well, okay, this is after Ben Simmons, of course. Like we're, we're saying that on a team that already has Ben Simmons, adding Seth Curry, who can not only playmake, but can also reliably shoot 43-plus percent from three. Like, he's a career 44.8% three-point shooter. That is something the Sixers need. And I think that's why losing J.J. Redick two years ago was the biggest loss for that team. But now they have another knockdown shooter. What about Daniel Green? Uh, Again, good piece. Like, he's just a good piece. He's like, all right. Like, he's just a guy who... I mean, based on what we saw in the bubble, is he going to be the same same Daniel Green that we thought he was going to be? I don't think so. I think a lot of players had really good postseasons, and a lot of players who are usually pretty consistent had bad postseasons. So the bubble was odd. I think Danny Green gets a little too much hate from his bubble performance. Like, yes, he should have knocked down that shot, but everybody, no, again, everybody misses buys. open shots. Mostly you, but... Ani, you want to do this right now? Nah. <laughs> You want to do this I right really now? Don't. I really don't. But, I mean, okay, I, I agree with the Danny Green thing. The recency bias is important, which is why I talked about Avery Bradley, right? We haven't seen him in a while. But, I mean, just on the objective standpoint, from the 2019-2020 season, Danny Green has not performed his best. But, yeah. like, visually and statistically, the output has not been great. But I don't think they're going to rely on Danny Green for huge, huge offensive production. Like, they need but Tobias like, okay. Harris to make... Like no, they need, they need to justify that contract. Like he needs no, to take another 100%. like small step up. Yeah. Okay. So is Danny Green in the starting lineup day one in Philly? Yes or no? No, because I think the logical starting lineup is Embiid, Harris, Simmons, Thibel, and I don't no. know. Seth right. Curry. You got you to put Danny Green in there. I feel like no, but Danny Green doesn't make as much sense as just putting Seth in there. I'd rather have another shooter if you already have two huge guys in Simmons and Embiid, and then you but have Danny another Green lockdown is considered defender. a quote-unquote shooter. I know, and but, he brings defense. But I'd rather so it's like a really good. It's a pretty good defensive because you have Simmons and you have Danny Green on the defensive side, and Thibault's not terrible on the defensive end compared to Seth Curry. I don't want to start 
Seth Curry is a feisty defender. Like, yes, he's not a good defender, but remember that one series, Portland Golden State 2019, Listen, where he I do was not guarding. Just the Currys are not a good defender. Just accept it and move on. Okay? No, okay, they're the not good defenders. The Currys are not good at our defense. No, but okay, people sleep on Steph Curry's like positional I awareness on defense. Hear, I don't want. Okay, awareness and like awareness is one thing, but playing defense is another thing. No, there's being a bad defender, and then there's trying on defense. Like Curry, I wouldn't call Steph Curry a bad defender by any means. He's not a good defender. Yes, he's not going to make all defense teams, but he's not a liability on defense, which is what I'm trying to say. He's not as much of a liability as he was earlier in his career. Well, no. Yeah, of course. But in some situations, he still can be a liability. I don't think he's a liability. You're not going to hide. Like, Curry will play defense. He's not just going to get burned like the way someone like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a point guard who just doesn't play defense. Um or just any no, Let's player go with the d- player that doesn't play defense. Okay, James Harden, go. That is a bad okay, take. Although, although James Harden's defensive output has actually increased the last two years. Harden is now a very competent defender. Okay defender. He's, he's an okay defender now. He's he's a much better defender than what he was. But yes, old James Harden is kind of who I'm talking about. In terms, I of- just think, okay, like if, if you have Steph Curry up against like Dame... For example, like he's not going to. Damian be able, Lillard like, is a bad defender. I, I agree. If you turn the tables, Damian Lillard is not going to stop Steph Curry too. I'm not defending Damian Lillard's defensive capabilities. Like he is someone, despite all his greatness on okay. offense, Dame Lillard is a liability. Dame Lillard does on not defense. try on defense that much. Steph Curry is like aware and he tries a lot on defense, but he's just not that good at it. And I like I don't think that's a bad thing. That's, that's what I'm saying. He's positionally a good defender. He knows the, his spots and he picks them well. I guess, yeah, but I mean, like from a physical standpoint, he's not the greatest defender, and then just from like a like a matchup standpoint, you can I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Let's. We were talking about Seth. I don't know. They should either. I think they should start Seth, bring Danny Green off the bench. But I think the don't think so. Like what they I think will do is dude. They they pay Danny Green significantly more money than they pay Seth Curry. Why would they start Seth Curry? No, I think like what they're going to end up doing is starting Danny Green, but I would rather just have a better offensive lineup by keeping Seth in. Because they already have really good defenders in Embiid, Simmons, and Thibault. Yeah, then and you we're have forgetting four, about Shake awesome Milton. Defenders. Like, what if they just start Shake Milton? Dude, okay, they paid Danny Green starting money. They're gonna they're gonna make him start. Whatever. I don't like the Sixers. Talking about them just makes me mad. Like. And also, like, what is Daryl Morey coming and going to do for the Sixers? Like, I'm confused. What is, okay, what is Doc Rivers' real name? Like, what's his first name? I don't know. Because I, I guess he's not being called Doc Rivers anymore because there's, like, the other Doc, Oh, you know? It's Glenn Anton Rivers. Dr. J, okay. Wait, Glenn what? What's Ant- his name? Glenn Anton Rivers. So, Glenn Rivers? It's so stupid. Okay. What do you mean that's Coach stupid? That's his name. No, I know, but like, I, I, if I say Coach Glenn Rivers, no one's going to know who I'm talking about. Then don't say it. But I have to because he's not going to be called Doc Rivers in Philadelphia. You think he's listening and cares what we say? He cares a lot about what we say. He's Coach Glenn Antoine Richards. Rivers. That's what I said. You said Richards. Rivers. At least I said call Rivers. him. Call him is right. Oh, you know what? We'll we'll check the audio after this, listeners. You, you, you'll hear him say. Richards. I said Rivers. Maybe it was like a little like 
I don't know. Maybe I'm a bit parched. Maybe like my lips are sticking together. But okay. Well, all I'm I know about is the Valley Boys. Do- yeah, I was gonna say Doc Rivers ain't one of the fellas, which is what the Phoenix Suns are rebranding oh, wait, this wait, season. I'm as. confused about the fellas part because I thought they were the Valley Boys, and then like a day later they were like, "Oh, we're the fellas now." <laughs> it's because they gave up literally everyone on Valley Boys: Frank Kaminsky, Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre, Aaron Baines, all gone. They're not with this team anymore. But in are Jay Crowder, Langston Galloway, Etwan Moore. And Chris Paul, which instantly makes this Phoenix team a playoff contender. It makes them a very feisty first-round playoff opponent. Like, I would not want to face DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, Mikhail Bridges, Chris Paul, Cam Johnson. That is a scary starting five. But you also gave up Aaron Baines. Was it worth it? I think that's fine. Like, Baines is nice. Don't get me wrong. But I think they're, they're going towards the Miami Heat style in which... I see you're not They're part gonna, of the Aaron Baines fan club. The GOAT Twitter account, by the way. Go follow that. I don't uh, know. It gets kind of annoying under every single Woj bomb. <laughs> it's just like, oh, Aaron Baines guarded this player. Or like, oh, Aaron Baines did this. Like, you know. It's so I, funny, though. I, okay. I respect the hustle by the Twitter account is what I will say. I respect the hustle. They grind, dude. And Aaron Baines followed him, so respect. Important news. Important NBA news. More important than anything the Phoenix Suns did in the offseason. No, but I, mean, I think no. Go ahead. Okay, like, go ahead. I think I think the Ubre give up was like, I mean, it had to be done, but I don't know. It's yeah, like it would have been a. Imagine if they still had Ubre. No, but you can't like the, the financials wouldn't work. Like you wouldn't be able to get Chris Paul and his forty million dollars if you still had mm. Kelly Ubre too. I know, I know. I'm just saying. Imagine if you still had Ubre, it would be dope. I think it'd be really cool. I think this team is. I'm excited to see the mentorship from. Chris Paul to Chris Devin Paul. Booker. That's yeah. going to be another huge boost to Devin Booker's playmaking ability. And eventually, I think in like two or three years when Booker's in the prime prime of his career, he's going to be one of those elite point shooting guards. And we don't really see point shooting guards anymore. Like, yeah. players like... I agree. Kind of Apparently, Jay Crowder came to Phoenix because he wanted to play with Devin Booker. That's what he said. He said he wanted to be with like one of the best playmakers in the league, so he came to play with Devin Booker. Jake so, Crowder. I don't know. Just... This is a very exciting team, very interesting team. I like. I very much believe this team may, like, make it to the second round, which is like not an insult. It's very much a compliment. No, but... I I think they have very scary playoff potential if everything goes right for them. If if they get a seven seed and they get like a bad two seed matchup like against them, like oh, if potentially, it's, dude, if it's something like Nuggets Suns, like don't like all bets are off. Bro, if it's Nuggets Suns, just like rewind the tape back to like two thousand and seven or something. No, just rewind it back to the what th- was it twenty eighteen or nineteen where the the Nuggets played the Spurs? No, yeah, twenty nineteen first round Nuggets Spurs. It went to game seven. Oh no! And I'm talking about like remember in the like mid 2000s when the Nuggets were actually good, and then the the Suns were actually good. Oh and, right! Like, they oh, were you're good talking matchups about like because like it matchup. was like Carmelo and Chauncey Billups, right? Yeah, like Birdman versus like the <laughs> Seven Second Suns. Like, dude, those are that, fun. those were good times. I was thinking more about like the two seven matchup in which the oh Nuggets no, were two yeah, yeah, okay, no. If you're talking about the, yeah, a, a tough two seven matchup is the. Nuggets Spurs, but I'm talking about like the when the back when the 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 sorry Spurs Spurs Nuggets. But I'm talking about when both these franchises were relevant. Like it'll be a long time in a while. 
that 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 phrase makes no sense. It will be the first time in a long time. Yes, and another, which will be good for the Suns. Another very scary playoff potential team is the Portland Trailblazers, who a lot of their additions are also just because of good health. Um, Nurkic for a full season now. Um, they get Rodney Hood back from the Achilles tear, and you know, re-signed Carmelo, which I think was just a huge, huge positive move for the franchise, showing that they care about the fans, they care about the players, they're taking care of their guys. So good on them for that. Got Robert Covington, who's going to instantly help them out. Um, Harry Giles from the Kings, who really needed a fresh start, and I think he's going to get really good minutes with this Portland team. They got Derek Jones Jr., signed Enos Cantor. So... I, I think, love their offseason. They got rid of the players they needed to get rid of. Hassan Whiteside, Mario Hazonia, um, you know, Wenyan Gabriel, nice little story, but I don't think he was going to carve out a role with this team. Yeah, what do I you mean, think? I, I thought Portland had a really good offseason. I mean, for me, it's all just like, I guess, rehab from injury. Like, how well can players come back? Then how well can they stay healthy? Because I, I, I think if... If the if the Blazers lose like one or two guys, it's gonna be the same thing where like they struggle to make it to the playoffs, and then even in the playoffs they struggle. But if they can keep everybody healthy for the full season in the playoffs, potentially they could go deep. I don't know. They have that sort of. I mean, because we we know what Dame Lillard injects into a team when we know how he plays in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So we, like we know when it's Dame time and he can step it up. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, that'll be. I, I don't like they did make the Western Conference Finals a year ago, so a lot of the nucleus from that team is still there. I think they can do something similar again this season, kind of like what the Nuggets did. But it'll be tough because you know obviously the LA teams and a whole bunch of teams now are just reloading. But a team that I thought suffered big time this off season was the Sacramento Kings, and it's so sad because like a, a season ago they went what 39 and 43 we thought they were going to be this up-and-coming team for the future young core bagley fox healed bogdanovich just really intriguing guys like you, you can actually think of building around a nucleus like that but now they lost bogdanovich they lost harry giles who is a project i think is going to work out with portland um they lost camp Bazemore. Yes, but I mean, okay, good for Golden State because he's just one of the guys. Like he's he's a warrior OG, but I don't know. Like they're relying I mean, wait, on, on they're relying on Bagley to become a star. They they got what Glenn Robinson from Philly. They got Hassan and Frank Kaminsky. But so those aren't like those aren't like no no I agree moves. no I, I'm making that point is like they did not get the greatest of the offseason. Like I think. They they drafted Tyrese Halliburton, who they expect to pair with Fox in the backcourt, and they want Halliburton to become the star, like one of the stars for this team. So your core is now Halliburton, Fox, maybe Bagley if he develops well, and I don't know, Buddy Hill needs to be on a different team. I don't think this team is right for him. Like it feels weird. Like th- that's a piece I think the Sixers should have jumped on. Like they should have traded anything for Buddy Hill. I don't know. Maybe Daryl Morey doesn't like him. No, Morey loves players like Buddy Heald. Just shoot threes? Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't know why then. Because it seems like the Kings would be willing to give him. I don't know why he's still on the Kings. Because it seems like the Kings kind of don't want him. 
And I remember there being some off-season rumors of Buddy Heald moving on. But there it were, just didn't happen. There were rumors the whole year about him wanting to move on. Yeah, remember, right? Like, it just did not seem like it was working. Sta- yeah, Bogdanovich ended up starting. Buddy Hill moved to the, the six-man role. Just everything was weird about No, but Buddy I think Hill Bogdanovich season. played significantly better than Hill. So I think that was very obvious to, like, a very obvious thing to do. But, yeah, I don't know. It is what it is. The Kings are just going to be the Kings, you know? Kings and a King. Kings and a King. And the complete polar opposite franchise of the Kings, the San Antonio Spurs. First season last year in... 20 years in which they didn't make the playoffs, which is unbelievable. Um, still were very much in it going into the last two games of the bubble before the play-in tournament and the rest of the playoffs. So I don't know. It's intriguing. Like DeMar has definitely expanded his game under Greg Popovich and that Spurs coaching staff. I like his development. I think DeJounte Murray, one more year, um, you know, it's intriguing. I just don't think a team with Aldridge and DeRozan as your two best players is really going to make a lot of noise. Like, I think they'll, they'll, again, be in that situation where they're competing for that play-in spot. They, they'll be like a 9-10-ish type team. I don't know. It's just weird. They didn't really do anything this offseason. I do love the Trey Jones pick. I think, honestly, that's a really good pick. Personally, I think that's like one of the better picks in the draft given position and everything like position of where or pick number i guess a better way of saying it but i, I really like that trey jones pick i think he might develop well in san antonio i agree i think he's also a, a pop guy like he's good he's someone like Patty exactly Mills. yeah and i mean we know he played with mike Krzyzewski, so very similar guy in terms of like mentality to pop so a lot of good nba bloodline there um raptors yeah, the raptors though the raptors lost a lot of very key guys I'm not a lot. Okay, they lost Sergi Baca and they lost Marcus Sol, two key big men. Yeah, and in for those two are Aaron Baines, who I think replaces Marcus Sol pretty well. Obviously, you're not going to get the playmaking and as much of the defensive intellect that Gasol has, but Baines is younger. He's a little more physical at this point in his career, and I think he, yeah. he's a better offensive option right now. But they Who do you have to re- replace Sergi Baca like. I don't, I don't know, Alex Len. No, I don't know. Like it's it's weird because I think they're just gonna play a lot of small ball this season. And because I guess their best big guy is Pascal Siakam, but we saw how he did in the playoffs, and this is like no, I think Siakam just, Siakam's gonna develop well. I think I he I've heard, like all his quotes from the offseason have been good. I think he's gonna be at like a twenty five and six type of guy. Like he'll he'll be really good for this team again. It's just can guys like OG Ananobi become the next Pascal Siakam and we saw flashes of that from last season OG played really really well but he has to become that 18 point per game scorer with tremendous plus defense and he already has the good defense he just has to up his scoring a little bit um Kyle Lowry future hall of famer Kyle Lowry has to again shoulder a huge load on the offensive side um Fred Van Vliet just got paid I thought I I love the contract what do you what did you think about the Van Vliet contract it wasn't like it wasn't something I loved or like hated. I was like, okay, cool. It made sense to me, based on like the Raptors and just like how 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 they like him in their franchise and how they feel like they need him. So it, it kind of made sense to me. I was like, whatever, you know. Right. But- I, I wasn't like, oh, this is the thing the Raptors needed to like make the Eastern Conference Finals type deal. But like he 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 needed to get paid, so he got paid. So whatever. He's- I just like that he's undrafted and ended up with no, a yeah, hundred percent. I think his story is great. 
And like, I remember when, when, when the bubble came around and he had the video of his like kids running to him in the hallway was great. And yeah, great story. I love the guy too. And you know, he's a pretty good player. So yeah, Raptors had an interesting off season is what I'll put because I don't, I don't know if their team is necessarily better than it was. No, you're right. I think they're in that same tier as like Indiana and maybe now even Atlanta, like just like a middle of the Eastern Conference type of team. I think there's just better teams in their conference, yeah. especially with yeah. teams like Brooklyn getting healthy and yeah. um, Milwaukee reloading. But we're almost done here. Um, Utah Jazz. Can we just get, I they really did nothing. Well, they got Derek Favors back, which is cool. Oh, yeah, cool. And then they, they lost Moutier, but that's it. Basically bringing back the same team from last year, Boyan Bogdanovich, get healthy now. I think he, if he was healthy, they could have competed with Denver. Or, well, they went to seven. They definitely did compete with Denver. But I think they could have beaten Denver if Bogdanovich was healthy. Huge scoring presence for them missed in the bubble. So, I don't know. They're just going to be another four, five, six seed type of team. Okay, so I have a question for you. Yes. Are the Rockets better with or without Westbrook compared to with or without Wall? What do you think? Yeah, let's talk. Because we have to talk about this now. The biggest, I guess, signing in the offseason, trade, whatever it is, John Wall and a first-round pick for... No, John Wall for Russell Westbrook and a first-round pick? No, or no, John, no. Westbrook for Wall and a first-rounder. Yeah, Westbrook for Wall and a first-round pick. So the Wizards get Russell Westbrook. The Rockets get Wall and a first-round pick. I I don't know. This, is, this was so interesting and kind of crazy when it dropped because it's... One of the biggest superstar for superstar swaps I can remember in recent memory. But it's also a situation in which I think both teams... I have a feeling the GMs just kind of looked at each other and were like, you know what, man? Like, let's just do it. Like, whatever happens, happens. It is what it is. And then they just hit, all right, for the trade. Both teams, I think, are better off in a weird way, right? Because with the Wizards, they've been playing a huge waiting game on John Wall coming back. And you just, you've been hearing some weird things in the offseason, like, does he want to be here? Does he not want to be here? But, you know, he squashed all of that when he said, I never, like, requested a trade or anything. But I think there is that feeling of being worn out of, will our franchise guy be truly healthy and are we a top-tier team? Meanwhile, with the Rockets, there was always this, like, Westbrook did have an all-NBA type season, especially the second half of the season before the bubble and, like, he really dominated. He averaged like 27, got his usual assist numbers, rebounded the ball. Um, same ferocity and transition. Obviously somewhat of a defensive liability, but it's the Russell Westbrook we know, love, and hate. It's He's just a very polarizing player. And I don't think he fits well with James Harden, which is weird because one, they played together in OKC, and two, they're really good friends. But I just think basketball-wise, they weren't a good fit. So... Especially given what the Rockets did in the offseason, getting Christian Wood, getting Boogie, some bigger guys who are more conducive to high-level playmaking. I think the John Wall-James Harden backcourt pairing is so good. Like, this Rockets team, if health and everything like goes their way, I am saying it now, I'm picking them to make the conference finals. Meanwhile... That is a very the, hot take. The Wizards... Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, this is the first time the Wizards have been relevant since 2016-2017. And I think that's something the franchise just needed, like being relevant again. And Westbrook's going to, I was going to say he's going to sell 
tickets and people are going to come watch but i don't know when that's, that's not going to happen i don't know when that's going to happen because of covid but he's going to invigorate some life into a wizards franchise that desperately needs it and i think now they're definitely a playoff team they're definitely better than the orlando's better than i think they're at the level of like the hawks pacers that type of team they're they're right up there and they would scare a first round team like imagine being um like boston and Realizing you have to face Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal in the first round, that would suck. I think for me, I agree a lot more with the Wizards part of your thing because, like, it's not like John, like, it's not like Russell Westbrook is coming back from an injury. And the supporting cast is pretty decent. Isaac Bonga, Thomas Bryant, Rui Hachimura, right? Like, it's not a bad supporting cast. And if you have Bradley Beal and, and Westbrook, Bradley Beal has shown that he can play off ball. And as long as he goes back to a sort of traditional shooting guard role, then that one-two punch is good enough for like a, definitely a playoff spot in the East for sure. And it's the East, right? But the West, I, I, I don't know, because first off, we have to see if John Wall is the same guy he was before his injury. That's a big deal, right? And the second part is, both James Harden and John Wall are very on-ball players. They're not the greatest off-ball. And so, especially John Wall compared to James Harden. James Harden is significantly better off-ball player than, than John Wall, right? And so, James Harden does like to be somewhat ball-dominant. I think that's one of the reasons why maybe Westbrook and Harden didn't work so well together on the team. And so, when you bring in John Wall, it's not like you have that sort of traditional shooting guard like Bradley Beal for John Wall to sort of just like pass and sort of catch and shoot. So, I think we'll have to see how it's going to work. I don't... I can't be sure if the Rockets are a better team with Westbrook or with Wall. For the Wizards, I can for sure say they're a better team with Westbrook because they guaranteed they know what they're getting. They 100% know what they're getting. What they're getting is significantly better than what they had in 2018, right? 2017, 2018 is significantly better than what they're getting. So I think the Wizards are a better team now than they were last week or whenever the trade happened. The Rockets, I'm not sure. I really don't know the answer. And I think... Like, I they'll probably make the playoffs for sure, but I think putting them in the Western Conference Finals is giving a lot of credit to, I guess, a, a team that I'm not sure how they'll perform. And also remember, they're under a new coaching staff, uh, their new head coach. What's the last name? Siles, right? Paul Silas. Silas, right? Yes, no, S- Stephen Silas. Yeah, under a new head coach. Stephen Silas, right? Right. Yeah, Steven Salas, so new head coach, their new management because Daryl Moore is gone, right? They brought in some big men, and then you have John Wall, who's kind of a wild card. I don't know. I cannot make a determination based on the information. But knowing the Rockets, I don't think it's going to turn out super well. But, like, I, I think Western Conference finalist is a very big leap, and I think this is a super hot take in my mind. Again, I just think that... Again, I told you it was assuming all the health is maintained for players like Boogie and Wall. I like those small things that, like, you know, John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins played together at Kentucky. They've been talking for a really long time how they wanted to team up. Just small chemistry things that you didn't really ever get from the Rockets before. Like, even when the Rockets had those, like, really dominant teams that went up against Golden State in those conference finals, those semifinal matchups... I never sensed the chemistry there. Like, there was nothing that made guys come together and really, like, rally. Like, but now, 
I think John Wall's going to inject some personality into this Rockets team that it, it, it's just going to be a culture shift, especially with the coaching changes, a lot of player overhaul. You know, Christian Wood is like a young, exciting guy. John Wall gets to work with him. He gets to work with Boogie. James Harden gets just completely new faces to run offense with. I don't know. I like it. Like, just, there's something weird that, I don't know. I'm gravitating towards a strong Rockets season. I, I don't see it. In my mind, I really don't see it. But I'm, I'm not saying it's not possible. I just don't think it's going to happen. Because I think if you're relying on Boogie and John Wall being 100% healthy and all these things to go right and the coaching to make a difference, like it's like too many things have to go well in order for the Rockets to make it far. And I don't think it's going to happen. Because that never happens for a team, right? You want to build a team that's good enough that if things fail, you still end up doing well. You don't want to build a team that everything has to go right for you to win. That's the way the Rockets are built right now. Every single thing that they've done has to go exactly the way they planned it in order to make the Western Conference Finals. Well, that's, so, okay, this is just the optimist in me speaking. I want to see a healthy John Wall for the first time in a while. I want to see Cousins get his career back on track. And I think once those things happen, this Rockets team is going to take on an identity they just haven't had for a while now. And I think Harden's going to benefit a lot from that too. So... That's my take on the Rockets. I think they'll be fun to watch, but that covers it. That's all the teams. Um, fun offseason, a lot of moving parts, players on different teams, contracts signed, um, TMZ-type gossip with guys like Malik Beasley. Uh, okay, so real quick, what is the one team you think that won the offseason? Oh, I think I said this earlier, but I thought Atlanta had one of the best off seasons like they went from plucky rebuilding team to wow that's like a pretty dangerous eastern conference team and i think they've set themselves up for a really good future like just to go over again what they did they brought in bogdan bogdanovich they got chris dunn danilo gallinari um rondo and their draft pick on yeko okongwu who i think is going to be really good and they pair that with a lineup that already has John Collins, Clint Capella, who we haven't seen really with the Hawks, Kevin Herter, DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, Trey Young. That's a there's just a lot of really good NBA bodies on that team. Yeah, I agree. I think they had a really good offseason as well, for sure. Yeah. For me it's the Lakers, but I don't know. Yeah, the Lakers got the names. And I mean, I think it's not even the names. I just think everything works way better than it did last year, and I think in terms of depth, they have more depth. And it's just like the Lakers are the defending champions. They're the guys you look to to see, okay, who's going to be the best team in like the next year. Right. And I think everything they've done has basically made their team better. So the defending champs make their team better. It's kind of like, it's, I mean, not to the extent of the Warriors adding KD type deal, like not even close to that extent. But if the defending champs get better, then I think they have to win the offseason because it makes it tougher for every other team. And LeBron so. signed the max contract, and AD signed the max contract extension. Exactly. So they just got all their guys handled. Exactly. So we'll see how it goes. But once again, thank you for listening to another episode of Locked In Podcast. Really hope you guys enjoyed this one. A long one, we know, but free agency was quite a lot of transactions, and we like to set stuff up for the NBA season. We'll hopefully get back on some NFL podcasts next week, wrap up what basically the three weeks that we've missed and talk about sort of the playoff hunt, potentially what's going to go down with that. 
I think by the time we record our next episode, probably Pittsburgh and Kansas City will have clinched their playoff spots. Mm-hmm. Maybe potentially won their division. Who knows? We'll find out. Yeah, uh, there's, there's a lot there's... of stuff going down with the playoffs. Maybe an ex- expanded playoffs if COVID stuff happens. The Ravens got saved by the NFL. And the Broncos got screwed over. That's all I have to say right now. But do you have anything else to say about the NFL? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Like, real like, quick. Uh, AFC playoff race is just super tight. That's all I got to say. Yeah. It's crazy yeah. at the moment. And the NFC West playoff race is super tight as well. But Oh, one thing I do um, want to say really quickly. Have there ever been two divisions in which every team is in the playoff hunt, but those two divisions haven't been more polar opposite than the NFC East NFC and the West NFC West? And West? The NFC East, yeah. I don't know. I really have no idea. It's so weird. It's just the yeah. weirdest thing I've ever seen, but that's all. Yeah. Well, it is what it is. But once again, thank you so much for listening. Please follow us on, on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to us. And Twitter. make sure to follow our Instagram, podcast.lockedin. Check out our website, lockedinpod.com. Anything else you have to say, Shri? Um, Our Twitter at, what is it? Lockedin underscore pod. underscore pod. Yes. We've been tweeting, so please follow that. And as always, stay safe and wash your hands. Wash your hands, people. Peace.